1: Welcome to my good bad brain I'm a normal person so I'm insane I've got depression and ADHD but I'm doing better since I medicated me I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is But I figured out a long time ago is beautiful. <laughs> Hello friends. Welcome back to my good bad brain. Um a return to interviews. <clears throat> I wanted to do some interviews again. Um I've been kind of thinking about it. Um it's just been scheduling and weirdness and whatever. Uh my mom was in town last week and I had long wanted to talk with my mom. On the podcast uh, she has a lot of experience with I mean just life man she's amazing she's raised six kids she's uh, traveled the world she's an amazing businesswoman she's made fortunes and lost fortunes and been through the ringer she had some tough stuff in her childhood and she's done a lot of work something that amazes me about Christine Mason who is also my mom um, she had me young and that made some things hard I think when we were when i was kids but i was gonna say when we were kids because that's how it felt it felt like we were growing up together and um you know i moms are moms we tend to just think of our moms as moms not really dimensional people and there's these weird barriers between how we speak to each other and and uh i think a lot of moms like most of us uh decide that yes they are a mom just like my dad it's was like, I am a lawyer until he was not or other people, you know, whatever. I am a dad. I am a girlfriend or boyfriend. I am a, a thing. You you get a category and you stop, you know, you start you start chipping away at your dimensional identity of uh, what am I this living inquiry and you just start adding labels and understanding that's who you are. And in some ways that makes other people safe. That makes them feel secure, I think. People like a narrative that they can understand and hold in their hand or write down in a nice little blurb on the back of a book or a Wikipedia page. Um, But humans are so infinitely dimensional unless they choose not to be. Unless they consciously attempt to become less than that. And even then they still are infinitely dimensional. There's just... You know, because they're trying to adhere to their own simplicity of identity, that they've decided the path they've chosen, the channel that they've selected. You know, it's easier to pin them down because they're they're helping to fulfill that um, less less uh, lesser dimensionality themselves. But um, the complexity of a mom or a grandmom or whoever. It's just as infinite as ours as a child when we're young and, wow, our brains are moving so fast and we think of all this stuff. And um, My mom, I appreciate that she never stopped being that way, uh, inquisitive and passionate and um, seeking, so seeking. And when I was young, when I was a kid, in times that I really wanted a mom to just be a mom, that would be tough for me. I'd get frustrated or angry because... She was trying to find herself too. She had me when she was nineteen, though. Uh, that means I—that would be me having like a a thirteen-year-old boy and two or three, three other kids at that point also. That's crazy. Uh, the amount of time I spend thinking about myself, quite frankly, my my process and my—I uh, don't know—identity and my history and you know who, what am I doing? Who am I? Is crazy, and if I didn't have the time to process that and the space to process that, which becomes one of the things that my mom and I talk about is creating space for yourself to process things in time and understanding that it's not a luxury that everyone can afford. Um, you know, I would probably have not been the best dad. I probably wouldn't be the best dad uh, all the time, but someone once said that, you know, parenting isn't about... Uh, single events, it's not like the one time you screw someone up, like you are you say something messed up to your kid because you're angry or you're tired or whatever, and they're scarred forever, that um, parenting is something you show up for every day. It's something in more of a collective. And I think there's a little, obviously, you can scar people. We all have memories of those one things that were like, oh, you said this one thing? and But that I do think it's true, that you're talking about who sticks around over time, who shows up over time when you talk about the good parents. Who, How are you overall? And my mom, in remaining in her inquiry and changing and healing and figuring things out and, if, and and fucking things up and having new questions and just continuing to grow and be active uh, about that and open about it and in conversation about it, I truly feel and I've discussed my siblings has been a great boon to us. Um, sometimes her figuring stuff out or working things out means that we don't have to for ourselves. It's like someone ahead of us in the line of our uh of our generational ancestral passed on trauma has healed some of it and in her healing it we don't have to do it anymore um because the buck you know in terms of like epigenetic uh <laughs> inheritance of inherited ancestral trauma tends to stop with us and so uh that's the biggest topic that i i jump off of with my mom is the subject of trauma she's worked on a bunch of uh, programs, um, which she'll get into and she's in a study program now, uh, surrounding violence, healing from violence, healing from trauma. And, um, she's had some traumas in her own life. Her mom, uh, died and then she found out uh, a little bit after that, that she was murdered, uh, when my mom was 12 ish. Uh, we, we get into that and I obviously never, never knew her. Um, my grandma has always been... Uh, my grandma is actually my step-grandma, technically. But um, that would be really hard, I think, for anybody to lose a parent that young. And especially when you become a mother to so many children and you're missing you know, that modeling, potentially, That, that then you really are trying to figure it out as you go. Um, and I think we figured it out as we went, as a mom and a child... Sort of in in concert, and uh, I guess part of what I wanted to do in talking to my mom on this podcast um, was just I don't know a little bit of me is is a little bit just proud of our dynamic and and kind of wanted to put out there that like yeah you you can talk to your mom like this you can talk to your parents like this and I know that takes two to tango and not everybody uh, is into that but sometimes I realized uh, sometimes I thought I was like oh we you know yeah we. And our family dialogue in ways that maybe not everybody does or is a little non-traditional. And I think that would be fun to bring on the pod. Um, that being said, moving forward, I am going to be trying to get into more interviews. Um, I think I got daunted by not just scheduling, but trying to do like uh, outreach and trying to get friends who had more like names or followers or something like that. And uh, I'll, I'll still do that occasionally and do some reach out to other other you know people and folks like that. But um, or you know whatever, some kind of following type people like get those hits, but the reason I started this podcast was everyday mental health, you know, everyday existential um, answering for ourselves, and uh, I really kind of want to just reapproach that um, and keep interviews as we move forward a little bit more focused on that. Uh, simple question, what mental health struggles do you have daily, and how are you getting through um, from people who are, you know, um, uh, that's a little tricky, you know, you, you don't always know how well someone's getting through, uh, you just have to guess, but um, I do think a lot of us struggle with mental health issues or existential uh, issues, and get through beautifully, and I kind of want to just focus on that, more quote-unquote normal people, everyday people, um, I think, being uh, some kind of public figure is wonderful and they're obviously all complex humans uh, but they deal with sets of things that are a little different sometimes there are some different pressures and and different strange situations existentially speaking that um, obviously they're relatable because of their humanity and their rich ability to describe it but I'm interested in talking to people who you know maybe don't Maybe maybe are are a little more quote unquote normal, <laughs> you know, um, because I think mental health is uh, struggles are normal, like very normal, and um, I think it's helpful to hear how normal people exist with them, you know. So yeah, expect more interviews um, and uh, with just quote unquote normals, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway let's get into this one with my mother christine mason and um yeah really really i don't know man this is uh i'll talk about this more later but i've, I've been busy and crazy and and my good bad brain is really special to me and i appreciate those of you who are uh sticking with this little experiment because it it is something i return to and um we've been doing the damn thing dude we're well, over half a year on this bad boy we're we're moving moving through it i yeah i don't know if i stuck with something that long (laughs) and who knows how long anyway uh here we are A return to interviews with the woman i mean it's sort of appropriate to return to the genesis of a new thing with the person who generated me uh my mother uh wonderful brilliant being christine mason Hi, Mom. Hey, Jarrett. I mean, I'm starting with the hi, Mom, because this is going to say with Christine Mason, (laughs) but you are also my mom. This is a nice... it's, it's weird to do a podcast and say, I'm going to record a podcast with my mom, because I think that sounds very funny. And it's like to people, they'd be like, oh, okay, so I'll be your mom. But you are, in fact, a very relevant guest to have on this podcast, um, not just as my mom, not just as a weird therapy session where we work on my <laughs> mental health and talk about the... To, do like a weird, you know, family therapy thing. But um, the, reason, the thing I really wanted to talk to you about or primarily focus on uh, is basically around trauma and like trauma healing and violence healing and stuff like that uh, because you've done a lot of work in those areas and you've had experiences in those areas. And um, just by coincidence or whatever, I think that that uh, anybody I've been talking to about having guests again, and you are my dive back and having guests. So this will be a fun thing is um, uh, around trauma, around PTSD and stuff like that. So um, yeah. Why don't you tell me as if I weren't your son uh, as if you're talking you know, about you relevant to this topic and what kind of person you are, what things you do, you know.
0: Well, I think early on I got the hit that no- everything that happens in your life actually lives in your body you know, it affects your body, it affects your cells, and you start carrying it around with you. You carry it around as anxiety, or you carry it around as fear, or you, you know, it's just there. And that we become so accustomed to carrying all that stuff that we might not even realize the origin of that discomfort. So, for me, I was in my 30s when I became sort of aware of this hyper tense, anxious state that I was walking around yeah. in.
1: And I want to just as an addendum, because I have personal experience with it, uh, your 30s are different than I think the 30s of a lot of like millennials and post-millennials. <laughs> uh, you had kids young. You had me when you were 19 and then three more kids in the next decade. Yeah. And I was I was
0: running a, a tech company in my 30s. I was working in the tech industry at Four little children, Uh, you know, uh, it was it was a very yes. That's just different. I feel like that's
1: you're like the last. Turn of a previous Generational moray, I feel Like I mean I think There's parts of the Country obviously that People still are having Babies in their 20s and Things like that but in Terms of like career yeah. kids Going crazy doing all This I mean, stuff
0: I was an Anomaly for that Generation also you know I yeah. was really Were you you like know, Gen my, X? My, my father Sort of yeah, I'm, yeah I am and my Dad said you know he if I Went ahead and had you That I would you know end Up probably uneducated and No offense to people who Actually do live in tiny Houses or trailer parks Living in a trailer park Uneducated and alone That's, and a, that's a episode, yeah. <laughs> what he said yeah. so You know I said Said that's okay. I think we'll go ahead and welcome this little life, and um, so yeah, I was in a different spot in my thirties, but I was also carrying not only the accomplishments and the responsibility. I was also carrying this really big imprint of two, of of the cultural thing that you have to be perfect. And so I was sort of doing that And I was carrying A very old imprint Of the loss of my mother The cultural You mean as a woman Uh, Or do you
1: mean as like Or or just general Puritanical Protestant
0: I think I think you basically had It's a little bit beyond Calvinism And Protestant It goes even further It goes into like The The almost like a media cult that started um, that in the consumer movements after World War II and really amped up in the seventies and really amped up in the Reagan era where it became more about the image that you're projecting than Mm -hmm. your um, actual quality of life or your values being lived. There's a very big shift. And I mean, that's continued out today. I think in in, in LA and you know, the whole Instagram culture thing is so much about the image and the image being right. But at that began And and a couple, it married nicely With the sort of Calvinist perfection um, I think of both men And women at that time You know So That's like
1: The stuff that's satirized By like American Psycho And things like that This like 80s Like started yeah. That 80s like crisp yes. Like I'm mm-hmm. so perfect mm-hmm. And put together And blah 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 well, it's
0: Stenciling the driveway
1: Stenciling the driveway
0: Yeah that basically You know you Everything was so good That even your driveway Had to be edged With yeah. a little machine And then you know do you, I mean I do you associate things, it with
1: like German culture and heritage at all?
0: Uh, there is some of the Germanic thing, but I more associate it with the Martha stewardization of homemaking yeah. and all of that stuff. And the body, you know, you had a, a little earlier than that time, you had sort of the Jane Fonda thing where your exposed body became a cult, and then you had the Martha stewardization where your home became a cult, and they all became sort of fetish objects of perfection, and you were supposed to score in all of these areas. So that whole imprint was there. And frankly, there's just not enough time in a day, you know, to do all of that stuff mm. to raise children with heart and spirit and joy, and to, you know, work and bring home all the uh, resources needed to do that. So yeah, that. So then, you
1: felt that was starting to trigger this like something is amiss in your experience
0: for sure. And and, and it was
1: the you're saying that it was like the trying and the impossibility of that. Like was I was it like tr- you started to get down on yourself because of those. I was,
0: I was trying and succeeding, but I couldn't relax. And I ran into a friend of mine on the street uh, who was in a similar role. Like he ran a big company, had children at home, but he had mm. transformed himself physically. He looked amazing. And I asked him what he had done. Because uh, he looked amazing, mm. uh, you know. He, and he said, "I started yoga, and this was like in 2002, 2001, before it was really hitting the mainstream like it is now." And 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 he said, "You and you look terrible, <laughs> mm. and you look terrible, and you're coming with me. I'll pick you up Friday at lunchtime, and I'll take you to class." And I got in there, and I did this uh, whole practice. I could barely touch my toes, you know. Now I'm doing full splits in every direction, so that's actually saying a lot about the plasticity of the body and yeah. how much it can change over time, but. When we got to the end, and because you didn't even start till your 30s, you're saying, right? 32, 31, 32. So I got into that last pose, which is shavasana or corpse pose. And there's t shirts now that said I'm only here for the shavasana, right? But that's actually (laughs) legit, like why I came back because it was the only time that I could remember in my adult life where I had relaxed.
1: I think that's um, also the hook of CrossFit that makes people get stuck on it. Why CrossFit was so successful and such a like you know phen- phenomenal thing that's now its own thing like if you're doing crossfit you're really only doing crossfit like to compete at crossfit it's a very specific thing but i relate that moment to uh there's a similar thing at the end of some of those workouts that you just don't experience if you've never been a competitive athlete and even mm-hmm. when you're a competitive athlete it's like only in training that you push that hard to this place that i would always call it, you'd halo out mm-hmm. and you'd leave sweat angels mm-hmm. on the ground you mm-hmm. know these like this moment where the world is sort of like at the edges disappearing and you're just so emptied out and your endorphins are so Mm -hmm. crazy, your adrenaline's Mm -hmm. so crazy and your your lungs are burning and you're dumping sweat from all your pores that there's this like clarity endorphin rush thing that... I I truly believe is the thing that hooks people. The people who get into it are like keep going and that's why they also like break their bodies for it. It's like as you continue that practice for a long time if you're like pushing your you know I don't know anybody including myself who used to coach CrossFit that didn't end up with like rotator cuff issues and this and that and whatever Mm -hmm. Um, but you chase it just for that thing. So it's like I mean yoga doesn't do that to you. No no actually I think it
0: does. I mean I know there's a lot of de-emphasis these days on the asana portion because the asana portion has become a cartoon of itself. Mm -hmm. You know like uh, you know jump around uh, like but, what, what do you
1: mean like oh what like asana like, meaning
0: like, posture you know, yeah where yoga's got so many other components but for me the asana component was such a stilling an interior stilling of paying minute attention to the rotation of this bone, the yep. placement of this muscle, the balance here, the core pull, the way the breath follows it, it, it became for me a real prayer. And I, I, as I advanced in my practice and learned more complex postures and more difficult postures, I was also falling in love with the um, sense of possibility in co-creating a new reality in my body and life mm. and for women you know I was noticing late you know I started teaching after that and and women would always get off on finding strength in their body and the mm. men would get off on finding new flexibility and new openness and so this 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 very intricate inquiry into like the what is the inner architecture of my being i loved that so it was a very stilling effect and sometimes now i'll do the hot sweaty jump around stuff and a lot of times i'll do a still strong practice but um it's pretty it's pretty powerful i added in the, the mantra singing and breath work and all that stuff but that came much later anyway so i go to this yoga thing and it was only in the presence of relaxation that i really understood its absence in the rest of my life and i was completely hooked So um, that was the first thing. So the the process of unfolding that, um, as I relaxed and started melting places in my body, I started becoming aware of memories and other things that were in my body, not the least of which, as you know, was the loss of my mom, that my mom had left and been gone from our home quite often when I was young, and then she was murdered. And so as I was coming more and more into this, like, there might be some things that are going on in me that are driving me, mm. that aren't healthy and aren't, you know, aren't for the, the yeah. good of things. That um, Really, that practice really began this larger inquiry and, and healing and what led me to do the trauma work.
1: So um, I don't like this isn't a murder podcast for me. It's I don't want like I don't need like juicy details to make an episode. But um, I think it's interesting just in what you went through. Your you said your mom was in and out before that and then my understanding of the story that you told me is that you didn't know that she had been murdered you thought that she was just she had left correct and how and then it was a while before you found out the truth
0: not that long I mean I found out that she had been killed that she was dead pretty fast but it took me um they didn't tell us exactly the circumstances until later and that actually really did shift my understanding of how the world was for quite a while just so, that it
1: felt more dangerous, more predatory, you mean? or
0: Yeah, yes. And and also that you, you know, what was your relationship with the people who had lied to you? You know, uh-huh. that was also very interesting. And
1: that was your, your parents, basically. Yeah, your well, the your whole parents. family,
0: right, would have had yeah, to, unless they, they didn't know, the whole network of the family. And I, I actually found out the truth only when I went back to visit my German family and they had newspaper clippings. That's how I found wow. out. But in any case...
1: But I just think, okay, so with that does create like that's a huge and you were a kid you were like 12 9 I was seven, 11. 11 I was 11 the- That's like a huge thing though to overcome later and and I think people now, nowadays, people would say, like, oh, well, of course, that's a huge thing <laughs> yeah, that's going to have but then effect. they
0: didn't, you know. My father, I, I don't think it was just that he particularly didn't have the coping mechanisms. I really believe that the society, like I was saying earlier, was a gloss-over right. society. You know, you look good on the outside, and you just man up, or woman up, or as my friend Anna Judd says, Kegel up, you know, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you just, like, find your inner uh, will, and you just, you just move on through. That was the norm. And so he, like... Gave away or burned or threw away all of her stuff, including pictures. Oh there was no gosh. funeral, and then they never told the people at school. Like we switched schools, and they never said, "Hey, by the way, these kids, their mom just died." So you're, I, I mean, it was so bewildering, <sighs> yeah. you know, and lonely. So yeah. bewildering and lonely. Even
1: though you had brother,
0: I had a younger brother. who's four years younger, but His he was four years younger. We're super close. Yeah. You know what? Are you gonna lean into lean into your six-year-old right. brother? That's interesting to hear what brother. you said about the
1: predatory stuff. The feeling that the world is more dangerous because I've always associated you with somebody who's like maybe in defiance of that. You're just kind of wing it. You're almost reckless. You just go out and do things that you yeah, want to well, do I since am, you were a I hit. am like that now. But I. Th- but even when you were younger, though, when I when yeah. I was younger and, uh, and from the stories mm-hmm. of you as a young woman, that's, that's something I associated
0: you know, I've always longed for freedom, and I think in that way I'm actually very like my mother. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's she was a, a very much of a free spirit. She spoke a bunch of languages. Yeah. She played instruments, and she was feeling. The reason she was leaving was probably a lot because she felt so constrained by that. Yeah. That life and and um yeah so so so
1: yoga when you got into this practice of yoga you feel you started to discover areas of trauma and memory yeah there like that's just the, the absence mat. of it was what made you aware that and so how did that lead you then to like yeah continue telling me about that because i know you've gotten into this like serious violence rehabilitation and yeah and, uh, trauma work
0: well so i was saying well, you add meditation and all that stuff but what happens when you begin to relax and start to sort of be an inquiry about what's going on in yeah. you is that um you, you, you might like, and particularly if you start it with a physical practice, as you sort of scan your body and you'll notice that there are tight places. And when you let yourself sink into it, you find what is underneath it. And I'm still practicing that today. That's called inner coherence or inner um, hmm. alignment. Um, in, and this work uh, gradually does its thing on you. And so uh, it led me to try other modalities like family constellations therapy right. um, and things like that. So the inquiry began. And I was teaching a little yoga on the side, r- running my companies, doing all that stuff. And I ended up teaching in a fighting gym to a population of right. young men that I'd never, um, you know, I didn't really know how to teach them. They didn't want to take their this socks is in off. Santa Rosa, Northern right? California, yeah. yeah. And the, and the guy who was coaching them, you know, he's coaching these really intense boxers, and they're true athletes. They're you know lean animals, and. And they, they know how to move, but they're very constricted in a lot of their musculature, which wasn't just their sport. It was also sort of a lifetime of being protected and carrying armor, particularly on the thoracic and the shoulders. And he felt that they would benefit from having more mobility and more control of their breath. And so as I was going in there and working with his boxers, you know, the first it was they were incredibly... Um, Critic, like a teasing of each other for putting their butts up in the air or taking their socks off. And if I went in to adjust anybody, there was a lot of, ooh, ooh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of stuff. But as we became more comfortable with one another, they were such great athletes and observers that they really quickly integrated the work into their, and it affected their practice. So it gave me this little taste of what it would like, what it would be like to bring the practice into places where it usually wasn't seen. And I saw a flyer for this training program to teach yoga in prisons uh, with this guy, James Fox. And so I said, all right, well, that is a great next step. I'll go there. And this was the first, this was a major shift in my understanding of uh, what happened to my mother. uh, What is the feasibility and possibility of change in the human spirit? And... uh, what needed to be done in the justice system in the United States and how this trauma question was rolling through transgenerational, transgenerational systems in such an immense way. So, um, so that, I I think I've told you that story before. Yeah, but
1: even told everybody else.
0: So was valuable stuff to hear. This is such a beautiful moment. So I'm going to take you into this class with me. Um, We're in this, pristine yoga studio bamboo floors white walls light drifting in and we're sitting in a circle there's maybe 30 to 40 people a couple, you know probably 10 men and one of the men is sitting at the front and he's in cross-legged position in sukhasana and he's just beaming he's got these beautiful clear eyes and he's extremely calm and uh and and he's the man who begins the circle and he says to the group, my name is Rusty. I spent 34 years in San Quentin. I murdered a woman in the summer of '77, and the first thing that I want to do is make an apology to any of you who have been the victim of a crime. Hmm. And he 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 went around the room and he made eye contact with every person, and of course he got to me. It's <laughs> it yeah. was just, I lost my shit. I just lost it because I had never received that apology. They never caught the person who did that. And, and, and that was, even that was like the first movement toward forgiveness, you know, towards, mm. towards like resolution. But I was more struck by the fact that he was out now, he was paroled. And he really had the air of a bodhisattva, of an enlightened being, and he was out teaching uh, response, not reaction, and other kinds of tools and techniques to people in his community, to young men, to help them stop their violence before it begins. So he had become a peacemaker. And just so happened, That the man who started the program off of which this yoga stuff uh, had spawned was sitting next to me. Uh, Jacques, who you've met, this fantastic Buddhist who has really done uh, all of us an amazing service through this program he started. Uh, He said, hey... um, so you, you, I had told them what had happened to me and my family. And he said, would you be willing to come into the prison with me in to San Quentin as a stand-in for victims and their families and have a conversation with the inmates who are in our program, which is a larger program on emotional intelligence, somatic awareness, mindfulness, and victim-offender communication. So it's the last unit they do, and I stand in. I tell the story of the impact of the crime on me and my family, and then we have a dialogue. But you participate in a lot of the stuff before you get to that point, and I'll tell you, man, those men, I, I, they are when they started telling the story of their childhoods and the crime that they did and the systems that got them there. You know, it is we are not born in a vacuum with a karma that is all our own. We are definitely placed into systems that co-create our reality, yeah. that create our brain, that create our mind, body, and um, and the saddest part was, you know, many of them had entered when they were 17 or 18 or 19, tried as adults. And their crimes took minutes to commit, and they were usually at the intersection of um, some kind of drugs or alcohol, a uh, bad place at the r- wrong place at the wrong time. Like it was, compl- you know, th- they were in more of a, con. their, their stuff was more context-driven than um, their own will. Right. And then they spend the rest of their lives in prison. Yeah. So whether, and the presence of firearms, that was the other piece. So, you know, you, you sort of looked at, well, if those circumstances hadn't been there, um, where would those guys be today? And a lot of that answer comes after they're doing this work. They, they, there's are significant shifts. So that was my first sort of insight into the yeah. systems on a personal level that create us, that we're all a part of.
1: Um, so I don't know. So if you're somebody out there and this is you, this is me. I mean, I definitely relate to the physical practices as a way right. of like sort of understanding this like physical connection this somatic connection to trauma and and also a thing that i learned from that project that you were involved with, because i went to one of those things i thought it was really profound and they said um they started people on their histories of violence you always start with like telling your experience with like all the violence you've, and that they were very specific about like violence doesn't just mean physical violence Mm -hmm. what was it it's like it's like physical psychic emotional there's economic which is like taking from people Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. there's all these ways you can
0: do violence do violence or or receive violence Mm -hmm.
1: and that these moments um do create traumas especially if you're young you don't have context you can't handle it and things like that i don't know i guess uh I'm yeah, curious I mean, because I think there's a lot of people at home. I don't know, even like diagnosing that you're like, oh, I think that was actually something big that I'm not looking at, and then and then how do you start working that out? You know, what what do you do? Oh, I have so much I mean, to I say think on Rusty, this topic. Maybe, I think maybe it was Rusty who was the one who said. Is he the one that said the breath and the word thing? Who said? Uh, I don't remember.
0: I don't, I don't know. remember who I don't that was. Know,
1: I I think about that all the time. And I, the last episode I did, I read. Uh, fuck breakups. It has a lot of some of this stuff <laughs> yeah. in there, and among it though is that one phrase. But when they take everything from you, all you have is your breath and your word. And that when you strip yoga you can strip yoga down, to, you strip anything down to that intention, breath. down yep. to that mm-hmm. is everything's mm-hmm. your breath and your word. Mm-hmm. And that it does seem to me that the the beginning and end of these healing practices is is there in
0: full integrity in there in your breath and your word full integrity in your breath and in your word that's absolutely true i have so much to say on this um for somebody who's listening you know one of the most helpful things for me to learn was uh how violences to your mind or spirit or body impact you at different stages of your development so it's very hard to unwind traumas that were done before the age of two yeah. Um. The brain is getting is having so much foundational programming laid mm. that if you have abandonment or violence before that age, um, it's it's unlikely Ugh. you're going to soften completely into that. That's so, so what you, hard
1: to hear. That's like during all that border stuff. That yes, was like exactly. all I was thinking about
0: exactly. So if you're in that category, you set your expectations to. I, I I've learned that you you should expect set your expectations to, um, creating more outward control so that you avoid situations that would trigger that and you put more boundaries uh, around um, who you're with because you're not going to be able to regulate your interior response like someone who had no trauma or someone who got who had traumatic incidences later in life but it becomes progressively easier to reverse those mm. things in the brain the yeah. older you get totally. over 14 it's you know it's it's very easy to do uh, systemic re- restoration um, and when you have uh, really huge things that very immediate striking ptsd things like you do when you send young people to war those also have interventions that can be um, more unwound but if you're one who received that childhood stuff you just gotta love yourself in a different kind of way you you learn you take the pressure off of yourself i guess is what i'm saying that you you're in so many places we're taught to self-regulate like it's in us we should really be able to control our response just meditate more whatever Mm. But you know what? Sometimes you just can't. You'll never be able. So then you create structures and systems that basically create a coddling for you. If it happened really young,
1: just avoiding triggers, and avoiding and... the situations oh, that trigger that,
0: and the people that would trigger that. And you know, not with any hatred or blame or, or 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 hardness toward them. Just this is what my nervous system can handle. This is what's good for me. And then you learn how to live that way. The other thing on emotional abuse you know when you talk there the studies on kids who were their parents were just fucking mean to them you know insulted them uh, made fun of them blamed them where the kids didn't feel safe when that th- those linguistic abuses shut down the verbal processing centers in the brain. Kids who had that are worse at writing, they get worse on reading tests, they're like two grade levels behind kids that are just treated with general kindness. So know that your brain and your body are in response to the things that you've been given. You have a lot of power over unwinding those things, but it's not complete and that you're really Learning how to lean into others and and ask and be present to receive that that help is really vital.
1: Yeah, it's just heavy. It's just something that makes me so sad to think about. I I think when you look at the world, um, when we look at like even even like assholes in power who keep doing bad things, there's um, it just is really overwhelming to think about like these spider web networks of like reaction and reaction and reaction that like Mm -hmm. when trauma happens it really does spread and keep going if you do even if you create more trauma in some kind of self defense that like that itself has its own like consequences and continues on right and it can feel really overwhelming to think like oh how how's anyone gonna (laughs) You know, how are we going to, like, lock this stuff down? Well, like, the, how are we going to fix it The thing to lock
0: it down I it takes time. In And I don't mean, like, time elapsed time. I mean time in your every day. Yeah. And that um, by keeping everybody really fully occupied and working all the time just to make ends meet, it's tough to find the spaciousness in your own day or in your own year or season oh, yeah. to do the internal work. So I think there's a very strong correlation between... Um, the, the economics of life in America and the ability to create spaciousness and find the assistance to begin unwinding it because to learn like these guys who are in prison they're doing this program for a year every week for five hours okay Jeez. so yeah. you know so I if you want to learn that, how to dude. like regulate your own if you have lots of trauma what if that was the case I, I just heard this guy was at Summit LA this week really amazing community. yeah like,
1: like literally what what if that's the case when are you literally going to find the time exactly. five hours a day or whatever so, so this
0: guy Mike Novogratz is like one of the richest guys in the world the, the interviewer asked him you know you failed a lot but you're like the king of bounce back what is that about and he goes you know what every time I fail I take a lot of time off and I do work on myself and I figure out the answer to that question and and say, he said and
1: jiu-jitsu would say you win or you learn
0: <laughs> you learn right you know and in, in most sports they say uh, you can't focus on what you failed on you go to next play but what I was really amazed at is here's the guy who seemingly has everything together and instead of being like a, mm, a uh, putting up a front yeah just get you know, back
1: on the grind just lock it down yeah, just you like take the hit and said, keep moving he
0: said inner work he goes people who do their inner work grow and those who do all of their work and deal with all of their shit glow and he goes I'm committed at least a once, a once a year to spend a week completely alone just doing work on myself, and on an ongoing basis, getting help. So the, I think if you're really in a place where you're, um, you know, I've done a lot of that. I've been really lucky to break to break away and try to change the inner programming, and then in turn pass it on to the family. And yeah, I think. Well, be, I think that's yeah. an
1: important thing to emphasize about that idea. I think a lot of people who maybe have responses or feelings, and usually it comes from your own, like. You have things that hurt in you and you resent that other people like are trying to fix them or you're like, oh, come on, snowflake kind of things like that, Uh you know, like um, that it can also hit a brain like a puritanical sort of American brain that like self-care has become becomes a joke. It's like, you know, the difficulty of accepting like putting on your mask on the airplane before putting on the kids that like it's Mm -hmm. not self that you truly I mean, from my personal experience with you, the time you spend, like, working on yourself and continue to unwind whatever's going on in your generational systems and traumas and things, I truly feel, and my siblings have talked about this, too, that, like, there's aspects of that that do the work for us, that, like, we don't have to figure that part out of the family system, like, something about you figuring it out alleviates...
0: Yeah, I take Our a thing. little. I take responsibility. I, I did it the other way. I'll tell you a funny story. Not a funny story, but a weird woo woo story um, about doing the. I was really struggling with like forgiving my mom for yeah. the whole all that stuff, and and so someone gave me an ancestor prostration practice, which was super. Is thirty days. Every day for thirty days, you think of in front of you like arranged in like a clock, like a mandala, like a peacock fan, pictures of all of the people in your mind uh, who have ever taught you something beautiful famous or not spiritual Mm. leaders people who loved you anybody who looked on you with kindness and love and you arrange them in sort of a mandala and then you imagine on your right shoulder your maternal line and on your left shoulder your father's line and you um, begin you raise your arms up and you collect all of that love and kindness into your body and then you pass it through your shoulders down your spine and out your feet to your ancestors and all the lines behind them into wherever so about I'm about 21 days into doing this practice, which is like forgiving them and bringing them all the blessings. Um, And I I got calls from cousins that I hadn't ever talked to. And I was like, is it possible that time space is not moving in a forward linear fashion and that I actually am healing and in real time it's resonating back to like cousins, yeah. second cousins I down mean, the line somewhere else, and that they're calling to have dialogue out of the blue.
1: I know that that's very woo woo, and I know that's what that's how people will take that. But I don't think that's very woo woo. I think like when you get into physics and quantum physics and stuff like that, time is known as a dimension. We only perceive it one direction, and that's like the deal. And most likely, you can't time travel because someone would have already, <laughs> or you splinter off into some other portal or something like that. But uh, that being said. That The idea, like if you imagine like ripples in a in a pond, I think the part that becomes woo-woo isn't just like the... So yeah, you do something here and that it would affect the timeline backwards and forwards. Yeah. It would send ripples in the pond forwards and backwards and right here in the present. Um, but I think also the thing that's maybe sounds woo-woo about is that there's some emotional... That there is a physical manifestation of consciousness or spirit or something like that to which... I I feel, and this is all such, like, pseudoscience whatever, but I really do think, like, the same way people thought germs were a joke, like, uh, until Louis Pasteur or whoever, like, you know, was like, no, see, so you can see them, and you, know, and, you know, doctors being like, wash your hands, ha, 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 before <laughs> surgery, well, what's wrong with you, sir, you know, but I just have a cigarette, it's fine, Um Mm. that kind of thing like I do believe like we know 90 percent of existence is this dark matter stuff that we are the mass of it it's the stuff we can't detect and uh I don't know and I was I really think that there's maybe more going on in terms of like emotional weight and trauma and like ideas of love or kindness or humor oh, or whatever
0: God. that like we just
1: yes we can't track it yet but well, there, I mean, there are
0: some places that it's being tracked. Like, uh, So we'll take it out of the woo-woo category. Let's just go to epigenetics. Let's just go to family transference. So basically, since you as a child are absorbing and mimicking a lot of what's going on in the family system, if there's secrecy or shame around a particular thing or a behavior that, say, your father developed in response to his that they, they pass on unconsciously those behaviors to you, like being afraid in certain places, being resistant in other things. So their unexamined right. things do pass on to you, not only behavioral, just behavior, very practical, observable yeah. behavioral mimicry uh, in the sort of family values. And then in the shorter, in the medium term, there's a encoding that's wrapped around your gene our genes change very slowly. It's a long evolution. But the epigene, the little wrapper, is shorthand notes to your gene that in, that tell the uh, the fetus uh, what might be helpful in your lifetime to express genetically based on the possibility of your own gene fetus, uh, based on what the father or mother has experienced up till that point in their life. Wow! And so you, get, you see a lot of studies, uh, for example, that people who express starvation, uh, they're Children and grandchildren um, in one generation had the expression of the same genes for starvation. So it's stuff like that. So there is. Emerging Dad, is that like the? It. Is that
1: like the same? Is that why like a breed of dog is like it's a husky? It likes to pull stuff. That's what it knows how to do. You know what I mean? Like,
0: uh, well, I can't speak to the wild. Thing, but, even yeah. in the wild,
1: the way like an animal is born and like kind of has an instinct to hunt. Like it has to learn from its mother or whatever. But you know, whatever its thing is, it knows like automatically sort of mm-hmm, what to seek mm-hmm, out and do mm-hmm, what it's
0: built for Yeah,
1: you know, i don't know i mean you see that in nature in a very practical oh, way this is a
0: total aside oh but it's also a wonderful aside okay so i saw this amazing book of olympians once yeah. where they were all wearing black onesies basically black bathing suits yeah. and they had like a shot putter next to a gymnast next to bat you know a hockey player and the stunning array of human body types and yeah. when they're excellent like peak in their sport and how they were Basically, their bodies were designed to do different right. kinds of real work, just like your breed of dogs thing. But that this, this idea that these designs were coming out of nature, this was probably one of the biggest movements in my life towards happiness, is to stop seeing myself as someone who liked nature or, or like went out into nature um, or wanted to preserve nature, but that I was nature. Yeah. That I was a completely growing being, like a flower or a tree or a bird or anything else that uh, existed only by favor of the sun and only by mm-hmm. favor of the air, and that I couldn't grow wrong, just like a tree or a flower couldn't grow wrong. And what an amazing release that was. I am nature. You know, completely whole and perfect and wonderful expression, not because my body type wasn't favored by this particular culture that I rejected body type that wasn't worthy or, you know, people who have um, things, you know, parts of them that are like the unfavored gender or the unfavored skin color of this particular culture, you know, that that can never be a truth that you are nature and always perfectly growing and, and expressing as you was a very big Uh aha and when i looked at those olympians it just enhanced that
1: yeah there's um i think Regina specter or something i don't know maybe or maybe it's in her mind i think it's Regina specter uh she has a a line in a song where she goes um i've got the perfect body because my eyelashes catch my sweat yes to do (laughs) and i think about that all the time like my eyelashes catch my sweat that like that we are these creatures that have been You know, that have developed very specifically in response to a lot of things that are rather remarkable. Yes,
0: I mean, that's my first. I have this little nine gifts practice uh, that I made up and it works for me. But um, the first gift is wonder and awe. And that uh, eyelash thing is a perfect example. Like, holy what? Yeah. Uh, your eyelashes catch your sweat, yeah. and the salt doesn't get. How amazing is yeah. that? And then if you start walking in the world, and you really start paying attention, you're like, how? What? Yeah. How does that work? You know, um, the, at the multitude yeah. of yeah, micro miracles uh,
1: from Allie recently. I don't know. I don't know if it was her podcast or her Netflix thing, Brainchild or something. Like this is one of those things that um, the reason your fingers and toes get wrinkly is because um, maybe kajillions of years ago, whatever. Uh, if you were in a, like a waterlogged area, it gives you more traction. Yeah, they make like little suction cups. Su- yeah, and it like lets you walk on rocks and things not be as slippery. Like that's mind blowing. It's like deflating your tires a little bit if you're going to drive on a beach. You this know, is,
0: this is why science is so magnificent. Yeah. So, so just imagine like you had to control the world. Right? Yeah. There are so many people who are like about planning and control. There is no way like the diversity of nature expressing itself is the same as the diversity of human activity. Like you look around the room at any moment and like all of the gazillions of hours of engineering right. and skill that had to go into just making this microphone setup work. Right. I mean, it's happening on the natural by ecosystems of people doing what needs to be born and creating what's right in front of them. And and even, so, you, the wonder experience is not just reserved for nature. It's also reserved for how does human... Creation. How does humanity construct itself? It's amazing. Right. And then, uh, oh, wait. One more thing. See, this. Is, no, uh, keep going. It's fine. Uh, there's there's this other piece on on wonder, uh, which I think leads to humility, like wonder. So so, a while ago, I got caught up in thinking about scale, like that. Somewhere I had read. When I was in school, they taught us Pangea. This idea that right. there were these, the continents all came together. That we were
1: all one big continent before it yes, broke into seven Right. Knew.
0: So I read this science article that said that's actually happened seven times on Earth, huh. uh, in four hundred million year cycles. Or Rodinia, yeah, That there were that there have been these pulsations. That we come
1: apart and back together come again, apart, over and over seven
0: times so far on Earth, and that Pangea was the last version of this. And I was like, how does a person? Who has a body that is lives eighty years or whatever, even comprehend a thousand years or a million years, much less four hundred, whatever? Yeah, I, I'm probably getting the data wrong. But like so, so, so so that got me on this whole long exploration of that the very scale of our being uh, l- limits completely our understanding of what's real, so that you know you only see with the naked eye things that are. Uh, visible you know vi- visible um, to your body size and your eyes capacity and the whole history of scientific instrumentation has been the acknowledgement of the limitations of our human perception and the desire to go beyond that the microscope the nanoscope the Hubble you know the things that amplify sound things that project sound things that read frequencies between bird song and whale song and find the languaging and that uh, you know as we get and as we amplify our perceptual capacities with instrumentation you're having this like holy we knew nothing we know nothing. Yeah. So whether you're talking about what's going on in your body or between you and another person or in the culture at large, like the whole um, the whole movement is toward humility, you know. And in that humility, like I don't know, it's possible that there's so much more at work. What is that thing? The more at work in heavens and earth, Horatio, than we will ever know. That Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that you, if you live like that, you get a little bit of a softness in your day to day. Yeah so there's no that. I
1: agree with that I think that's actually a really interesting way to think about it that there is like we say small-minded you know we say you, know, you if you have a speech experience that's so like limited you have an understanding of men are like this women are like this cultures like this I'm like this I respond to scary situations like this you know like you've set your stuff Yep. um which you know I feel like people who have I don't know. I feel like well, people, I was, I'm not going to go into a political thing, but yeah, that's really interesting. Do you so, mind, uh, do you want to move into the, the six questions part?
0: Well, I want to, um, I would like to do yeah. that. I also just want to close up an, an open thread on the trauma. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about your own individual experience of trauma and right. abuse. And we talked a little bit about what happens inside of the family system and how that get, you know, before you're born and the epigenetic piece and then also the things that are happening in your media piece. But there's a whole nother um, basket that you're sitting in and that is intergenerational um, collective trauma. And this is the piece that Tom and the work with Thomas and why I started going mm. into his coursework that, you know, like if you say, oh, my grandfather was a Nazi and he killed himself out of the war. Um, and then, you know, you you you, you look at some my grand my grandmother was a Holocaust survivor and she came with all of that anxiety and started a new family in America and then you know those people are carrying bigger stories for the whole culture and what when i when I w- started to understand sort of the why conflicts persist across generations and regions of the world and why long-standing animosities never resolve that's because you're carrying a, a cultural trauma mm-hmm you know definitely and i would and i see a lot of possibility in our country um for waking up to a new period in our existence by acknowledging and doing some healing work around genocides and slavery and the gender sides that happened since in the last 300 or 400 years and actually speaking to that because whether we like it or not it's still living in the real bodies today of our i think i
1: just watched um john leguizamo has a a show on netflix it was like a stage show it's called um i think it's called like uh latin history for morons or something like that <laughs> and it is powerful it's very good uh, but when you you know really start to digest uh, that stuff like the um because one of the points it makes is like uh, latin people are predominantly native american you know when you like a big chunk of their uh-huh. dna and when you really learn about the history of latin america and uh-huh. america and the true history of america and just the insane it was like seventy eight million people just wiped off the face of yeah, the earth exactly. of the native Americans that lived here I don't know how we um i mean because we are woo-woo like our our family like we are raised to understand to i don't i hesitate to say that word because it's real and I do feel like it's real i do uh-huh. feel like it has practical effects but I don't know how one could be expected as a culture to not like face those actions like this man you're talking about this uh yoga guy who killed someone. He starts the class and he goes, I murdered a woman in 1977 and I'm sorry. I don't know how you can get better without doing that. And as a nation, as people that like live right. in America, I, I, he
0: began my deeper healing on my mom's stuff. It was and on my violent stuff by doing that. You have to come out. New Zealand did that. Mm-hmm. You know they came out and they made a public statement, and and it it was so powerful. They do healing rituals. Last week I was in a week long program where uh, we're mixed genders, in all the other weeks we do it. It's an eight week thing over a couple of years, and this week they pulled the men out on day two and put them in a separate group and we were just with the same gender for three days working day and night on a bunch of um questions and inquiries and then we came back together and there was a you could perceive because of the direct absence and the return when the men walked back into the room what it did in your body mm-hmm. and then everybody who's asked to tune in got to report What it did to their body. And a lot of the women were like, the minute the men came in the room, I felt so contracted. I felt this closed down. I felt all the openness that I developed in the circle with other women shut down. Or, you know, some people said they got turned on, like there was, but there was a very visceral response to having that energy come in the room. And it made the women aware of how much they were... And the men also, on the flip side of that, the men reported like they didn't want to come back in the room. They had developed this like where there was no anxiety about gender stuff and that they perceived women as like their angry mother or extractive and Mm. they just didn't want to deal. And the absence of that tension was so wonderful that they were reluctant to come back. And it was such a beautiful way to highlight the... Pervasive tension between yeah. the genders that's always there. Also get people to speak to what was driving it and then watch everyone's understanding that it's not a one-sided situation soften. That is reconciliation work. Mm. And it's worth doing, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I it's. I definitely agree with you. I mean, I, I, we're on the <laughs> same page. I think it's hard to look at the world and look at people and know that some people are never going to do it and they'll resent the idea of it they'll joke about the idea of it yeah they'll you know get mad about it and even the mildest version of like well look why are you i'm not a racist i'm i didn't do that stuff i didn't murder people not my race don't punish me for that right well
0: you know i wasn't here when that was happening my family was in europe until the 60s so you know i could say the same thing some other stuff in europe yeah well you know but I'm, i'm saying like you could also say that i were so intertwined just what does it cost you What does it cost you to be empathetic? You know, and and
1: I think just to take on—I don't understand why it's. I mean, I do understand. We want to run from things that are hard. We want to—that's true. And and we, you know, I think are taught to like lawyer as early as we can to say like, no, 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 it doesn't count because of this. Like, not pay attention to your feelings about it or some kind of essential energetic truth that seems apparent when you pay attention, but. Well, that, uh, but it, loopholes yeah, about why, yeah, no, yeah. You know? I, It's
0: like me being willing to go in and stand in for other victims. I'm not their actual victim. Why would I take my time to do that? But you know, it's like playing my part in a larger karmic, in a larger unfolding. By the way, I don't think it's woo-woo. I mean, you know, I have a really straight up science educated, like technology, business, numbers, all that stuff. And the evolution to this point has been an expansion of, that includes all of that data-based stuff. I'm not coming at any of these yeah. discoveries with like a, uh, you know, science for what did he call it? What did John call it? Leguizamo science for morons. Oh, his, uh, science history, <laughs> history, <laughs> history for morons. You know, it's not like that. Yeah. I really, I really look critically at this stuff, and it seems to work. So yeah, well,
1: I also think it's important to think about like that that things that seem quote unquote woo woo would include things like like once upon a time that people need have weekends they need to have a five day week- work week it was things like people need to have days that aren't 12 hours every day right. like these these things that people go like what are you talking about we don't need to make laws around that people don't need that much care okay you know and you'd be like cause, you know what i mean it's the same reasoning why do you need that time off like what are you going to do with that time i need it to just think and heal and have a life oh like these are things that are, are evidence of in the past for a long time felt like human society really was pretty predominantly on a march forward of like You know what I mean? Like if you if you get into it, like what we're calling woo-woo is on the same scale as like owning other people. Like, you know, if you came before the idea that it's just obvious that owning other people is wrong, in a world where like people kill animals all the time and they're like poor or they're not and you make war and you collect slaves when you win a war, that's like how Rome works and that's just how it is. You know what I mean? That like the idea that you would go like, No, all people are people like that would be a woo woo concept. People can't be owned just because you have power over them. Right. That's how it works. Right. You don't own someone because they were born in bondage to you. Yeah. Like those are woo-woo concepts that, like, at that time, would, yeah, at that, are, time, that right. like, you make that. I don't think it's crazy to say that, like, this, you know, continuing, like, like, results in real deaths. The, both the economic violence, but also like the police state violence and the for-profit yeah, like, prisons yes, and yes. the I mean, genocide that everyone answers Black
0: families have an average inheritance of fourteen thousand dollars when someone dies, and white families have ninety. It continues. Yeah, that's crazy. Anyway, so. Um,
1: but I just mean these are these people would think of these as, as w- these like ideas of reconciliation right, and stuff. Right. But it's I mean, it's no, the it be- only it begins, way that it you can begins a
0: movement toward wholeness, and it also means for you that if you're harmed, you can also expect reconciliation on the personal. It's a it's an all around sol- softening. It doesn't just go one way, you know. It it creates a culture. Of meeting the other in their pain And being able to hold it
1: Yeah You know what I would also say Not to get like super Like this is I don't mean this Sound conspiracy theory Whatever But that There are There are Limited and powerful parties Who like really benefit from you Buying into the idea That your pain doesn't matter And you should just get over it Oh for sure You know like there's There's a lot of people who like Stand to profit a lot From you just going like Suck it up snowflake Right Like you know Because that's i don't think do you know what it's, I mean? it, it,
0: it's it it is a consumer orientation and a control orientation both speak to that like you'll have to buy stuff to feel better and or you'll do what i you'll 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 do behaviors yes. that make you feel better so yeah i agree i agree with that
1: i, I just think it's like whenever whenever cuz there is like but a lot of stuff it's not a
0: coordinated conspiracy it's that, n- that that you don't that, need a coordinated conspiracy yeah. you know conspiracy. what i'm saying it's like yes. it's, this is the the thing about when you notice a pattern that's happening, it's the individual actions of a lot of people who are building their lives off the same core principles, primarily that's unconsciously. Right. That's right. And so to but dismantle that, it, you have to be conscious to go against it, Yes. otherwise you'll well, catch it. Well, this
1: is why ideologies like capitalism versus communism or whatever are real things. Mm-hmm. And, and some governments use them as weapons to destabilize other governments in the mm-hmm. past. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it is true that when you've bought it hook, line, and sinker, like ideas like capitalism, like... You do you do make choices in business and in your life that are about like how do I make profit? How do, where does profit right. move? That's and, true. But you start commodifying everything, and you do it about yourself too. Right. It's no longer about like. What does every person need, but what can everybody endure? Well,
0: okay. Including myself. I just want to speak to being in curiosity for a moment about the design of society and understand sort of the magnitude of shifts and experiments we've been doing. If you look back to like a primarily agricultural society, your day, you might not have worked cumulatively any less during your day, but it would have been in the context of friends, family, near your son if you were a father, near your daughter if you were a mother, touching the earth, making things with your hands, and, well, they do and, say they
1: do say there's a thing that said peasants in medieval feudal Europe like had more time off than standard well, workers now. This is
0: kind of where I'm going with it. That then you say, well, um, we can parse, we can parcelize all of these activities, and you know, this is the person who can take care of the garbage, and this is the one who can. So in the doing of that, it frees you up from all of the other tasks you need to do to run your household or your life because right. everyone one can person do it in
1: town is going to make bread and, and one right. person and then we a- can and you so know. it
0: expands the available hours for work and redefines the way work is and also, it can really um, occupy everything also so,
1: something we don't think about light lighting yes uh, light that, like and the there's a really interesting natural lighter podcast about that um that did an episode about it was 50 modern invent 50 inventions that made the modern economy mm-hmm. and one of them was with the light bulb mm-hmm. and they talk about this thing that like you can you can measure like fuel and effort costs for uh, per like kilowatt hour or hour of light or something like that. Right. That like it used to be, you just burn wood. Right. So we'd have to do all this wood gathering and it burns pretty fast and it takes a lot of cost to do it. And up and all through like tallow candles in the Revolutionary uh, War era and stuff like that, up to now you just turn on LED light bulb. And that, but you can like measure out like how society's allowed to advance because, well, now we've added more work right. hours and it costs less for us to like spend time and effort on getting that light. But it's just weird to think about these practical like little things that fundamentally shift like your REM cycle, your rest cycle, which is like your well, cell's your embodiment, regeneration your
0: time. your and whether you're in harmony with your yeah. body. So you were talking about, you know, why would you have to legislate? Work and vacation, because once that time is freed up, you know it it'll it will encroach on that. So in our human experiment in designing culture, we got a little off, so we had to make weekends. And now you have a whole nother wave of this global gig economy where you actually can never relax unless you saved a lot of money. No, because everybody you can never know you. what's coming next. Yeah, you you're always
1: right. someone can always get in touch with you. Which P.S. is a is a. A principle of mine is that like no one has a right to have access to you at all times. Correct. And so this idea, because there are people out there, we all know them, who will text you, and then a little bit later, you don't text them back. We'll send some passive aggressive next thing. Like, well, okay, <laughs> well, or because whatever. I
0: have early brain trauma, I have now those people are no longer in. My but
1: life. <laughs> yes, but I'm just. I think it's. I've. I've. Uh, I think it's really important for everybody uh-huh. out there who have this yeah. constant access to yeah. start to understand like that's not normal, and right. nobody's entitled to that. You right. can like. Go Whoa, to it when you now want. Now you're
0: getting on the sort of self-love boundary. <laughs> That's also why I turn notifications off. Like, just yeah. don't give
1: yourself the stimulus. Yes. You know, go check it when you feel like That's, checking
0: it. Uh, putting an hour between going to bed and an hour after getting up without touching what Esther Perel calls "Do you stroke your device first yeah. thing in the morning?" Totally. And do you stroke your well, device wait, when there's someone Absolutely. laying in bed next to wait, 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 you, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you? But also, problem. I,
1: I want to stay on that with the thing you just said um, about uh, the gig economy thing. Uh-huh. There is this. This is, I think, also an insidious thing that, like, a lot of uh, that is again I think forces at work that we have to moderate within ourselves trying to get better Uh, one of them is the equation of like um, basically the balance of freedom and risk Right. And suggesting like Ooh. well you're free. You're really free now. Good. You can really, work, you can lift really for uh you can do lift driving, you can do all these gig economy right. things, and it's totally free. Yeah, there's no unions for it anymore. But right. why would you even want right. those? You'd have to pay fees and do all this stuff, and now you can just do it in your free time whenever you want. But not realizing like i be like, Yeah, it's free, it's awesome, it's like freedom and I can just make money. But like the implications on a wider scale of these things that are like right. there's no safeties, there's no protections, they do it because they benefit from it, like some some limited amount of people. And that you get the freedom to do this stuff. Like, yeah, I can just make a buck whenever I can as long as I pass the DMV test or whatever. But, like, there's also this risk involved and that when we go out in the world that, like, that's, in America, and exceptionalism more than is, like, a badge of honor. And I guess I'm tying it back around to, like, I think about this all the time, that, like, when we do our work about our own traumas or problems or mental problems that we have difficulty getting over, like, or operating within, um, that I, I'm a big proponent of moderating um, how much am I victim blaming myself and like being like right. you fucking idiot you fucking idiot just get over right, it right, right, and how right, that's right. not useful right, but right. also it's not useful for me to fall into just going like all my circumstances I couldn't do anything about the trauma of my brain when I was young and these horrible situations and blah 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 and, I, and I've come to have a question that I always ask is like well what serves me and it doesn't serve me to sit in like I'll, I'll it serves me to have more like I can do it I can get myself out of this hole I know I can attitudes even though I wouldn't force that on other people because you're like, things happen that are out of your control and you have to honor that reality. But this, this balance of freedom and risk, like I am free to say what I'm going to do with my life. And maybe that comes with some extra risk. And
0: well, I would, I think on the freedom and risk thing, particularly in relation to, to the gig economy, it works for employers and it works for the contractors just as equally stressy to be starting a company like I am now and not know who I can count on next week. Cause they're probably going to go away to Bali and, doing right. a retreat or something i don't know but there it goes both directions but i think what that an definitely important goes both piece both in, in the mental health question around this uh thing that's not outside it's not a it's your endocrine physiological stress response to a cultural situation that is actually quite stressful where's my neck paycheck and rent coming from so how do you take the question of your own endocrine and biological uh, reality which is creating dopamine or serotonin or not in response to your real life conditions and decide what to pathologize and what to say hey the conditions should change so that i can not have these chemicals dropping into my body Mm. Um, and also how do you know when the response to those situations that are external is unique to you and your own unique controllable situation, history, response, uh, anatomy, biology, and how it's when it's a collective response to a really bad structural situation, mm. and lean into each other to change that situation. I think that's really vital.
1: I, I just I think there's some people on the I, I don't know in, on the like more conservative defense who can't who I, I don't know who can't. Um if you put yourself in a mindset of self-empowerment, right. I think it can be scary to admit that there are things outside of your control that just hurt. And you might go so far as like, it's not, this is a, uh, someone was asked me recently, some pundit, it didn't matter if it was left or right or whatever, everybody's just saying stuff now. Right. And you go like, they. someone was like, do you think they really believe that stuff that they're saying? And I tr- thought about it and I truly responded that I think their definition of truth has shifted Mm -hmm. where truth is what benefits them. Oh, interesting. You know, like truth is the thing that is most useful and beneficial to my understanding of the world, Uh my narrative, Uh my career, whatever. Uh And that in getting into that, when you're dealing with your own trauma, I think a lot of people in this country that have that trauma when they're young and just turn into these like reactive, like whatever people, they go like, it's not helpful for me what you're saying about admitting things are wrong and wrong with me and hurt. What's helpful to me is just bite down and get through it. And it'll take them a long time, if ever, to really admit like, oh, maybe I don't have to live with this or whatever.
0: You can, yeah. Do you, you know what I'm you saying? Can, you can do that for a period of time. But eventually you get so hard that your, your, quali- your quality of life st- suffers. You, you can't really receive love. You can't really give love. You can't relax into just real joy without downing, you know, a Jack Daniels beforehand. You know, it, it's like... It creates a, yeah. a numbing in your nervous system to have to grit and bear, bear, you know, get bear down on a problem or hold yourself so tightly. You know, we're we're like mycelium; we're all forming this interconnected network of beingness. I was at this this talk uh, not that long ago, and the woman who was speaking asked the audience to stand up if and there's like a thousand people in the room stand up if you are responsible for another person's Life or well-being. Stay standing if you give a portion of your paycheck to another person. Stay standing if that person is not your wife or your spouse or child. Not your she did say spouse, not wife. Uh, And stay standing. And so you have this huge number of people who are standing in the room who give a portion of their paycheck to someone who is not their wife or spouse friend or family who needs it. And you know, then she said stay standing if you're first generation immigrant, which kind of turned it into a political statement. But prior to that statement, her it was such an incredible visual thing to think about how many people are interconnected economically, energetically, and not because they have to. You right. know, you don't have to take care of your parent or your brother or whatever if they need it, but you know, here here we are doing it. And that this narrative of I'm alone, I have to grit grit my teeth i have to bear it myself instead of banding together with others and saying how can it be better softening around that is is a lie it's a lie anything that is a story of separation or not love is a lie is a learned behavior of protection that we can gradually unwind i think
1: that's good i'm gonna let's i'm gonna move into the six cues from there Okay. All right. Uh, well, Sorry, the first I could one talk. is. We could, we could talk all day. I know, really, I do. I it's know. It's really it wonderful. You're wonderful. Uh, I want to ask you, so then let's do them. Let's do six quick cues. The first one is: um, Do you have, have you been diagnosed with any mental disorder things or n- named conditions?
0: I had a, a depression diagnosis um, when uh, when John was going through cancer. Yeah. And I went to the psychotherapist then. and um, Yeah. But it's not a, a permanent condition i have no diagnoses at this point what about
1: like ptsd or any of that kind of stuff never that was, was never
0: diagnosed although i self-treated for that using an mdma um, therapy protocol right. that was phenomenal well if you i can guess get we'll, we'll that let that protocol. dovetail in the next question yeah, which yeah. is
1: always about like medications that you've tried or been assigned or anything like that
0: well i tried antidepressants in that window what kind Do you know what I mean? uh zoloft
1: oh and that, a, is that a ssri
0: an if you ask me a question about it that's specific, I won't know the answer. All I know is that I felt so not creative. Interesting. I felt so numbed out and and like blah, like happy, but like happy as if I was walking around with like an astronaut helmet filled with haze, and so I couldn't I couldn't do that. Got it. And then I started doing it with nutrition, like I really changed my diet, and um, uh, so so that. But I did, how so I I'm completely you know completely vegan and. Uh, take supplements and things that like optimize what I can optimize in my, in my chemistry.
1: The vegan helps you?
0: Totally helps me. It's like my body processes everything so easily. And um, I'm so clear. My skin's so clear. My eyes are so clear. I've you eat gluten? Been, no gluten? No you gluten. You don't? No gluten anymore. Nope.
1: Huh.
0: I just, you know what? I love all that food. I love food. I love to cook. I mean, you remember the feasts we made when we yep. were little, but I have to say, I've increasingly become like, I'm, a, I'm my body's a not a machine, but it's a it's definitely a um, a processing unit, and that even if I like that, this just feels better. Yeah. And so it's stopped. It's not about discipline. It's not about. It's not about following a program. It's about literally cause and effect and experimentation on what feels better and coming to self-love yep. and saying, I love myself enough just to do what feels better. Yeah. That's it. No external rules. Totally. And that you have to just pay attention and make connections. Like yeah, alcohol the, makes me feel terrible. So I just stopped doing that. Yeah. On the other hand, um, the idea. I did have amazing experiences with creating a recovery from this, like the major traumas in my life by doing the MDMA intervention protocol. Yeah. And if people haven't done that, they can read about it online. Michael Pollan's Paul, got this new book, I How know. to Change Your Mind, which is like watch, normalizing psychedelics and yeah. psychotherapeutics um, again. And, you know, so there are a lot, of The the MAPS organization is, having tremendous results with people who have severe PTSD from wartime situations. For people that don't
1: know, there was a recent study uh, that came out. I was sending you and my brother, we were talking about it. I sent some friends. um, Basically, they did a study and it was a small group, but pretty decent size for the nature of the study. It was 28 people who had had diagnosed PTSD. And I think it was wartime PTSD, but Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. But it was definitely just PTSD, suffering all the insomnia and depression and dreams and stuff like that. And that they did these MDMA, right. literal Molly, ecstasy. What we're talk- what the the club drug, quote unquote. Uh, they did these sessions, uh, three sessions over three months, mm-hmm. and they said that seventy six percent, I believe, a year later, had mm-hmm. no diagnosable PTSD anymore, and that um, after I think one session, they said forty three percent of people right. said that they didn't have those reactions anymore um so the way it didn't solve everything for everyone but they could no longer be diagnosed as like you have ptsd which is i mean that's insane
0: it's it's powerful what the brain does in ptsd this is from my general understanding is it there's something that's so traumatic that happens that you put a, a compartment around it you basically put a membrane around it and push it off in a corner and that when it gets triggered you can't actually be in the moment with the rest of your life. Mm. So it's like a bifurcation of, um, of the uh, carving out in the brain. And the way MDMA works in the brain is to eliminate, uh, it drops all of your positive feeling chemicals from the next two or three days. Your own chemicals um, are drained from your future supply and dropped into your brain at once. So you are feeling so clear and high and light and good and you're completely uh, lucid but you're feeling so good that your sense of fear goes away, you're just not afraid Mm. of anything. And in that moment, the therapist will ask you, so about that thing that happened to you that you wanted to talk about, why don't we take a look at that now? And with no fear at work, you can bring it into memory and look at it from Ooh. all directions and examine it and and realize that you are here now in this room and safe and you're present and looking at that. And it basically pops the membrane and allows you to reintegrate perceptually that thing that happened into your current reality, that you're no longer threatened by that thing. That's how it works. So... Um, it's a pretty powerful therapy. Yeah. Um, there's other there's other uh, plant-based things like psilocybin studies that are being done now that if you have a chance uh, Louis Schwartzberg and Paul Stamets just are doing this movie Fantastic Fungi which is more broadly on the life of mycelium networks Dude, and mushrooms. That's amazing it's when you start so learning about that. It's so amazing. Insane. And they were highlighting a study that uh, was done at Johns Hopkins on people who were at end-of-life care with cancer and having tremendous anxiety about their impending death and then doing these um, controlled studies with what psilocybin did. And the, uh, the, the impact was so profound that the FDA now has that as a fast-track on the fast track process to an, uh, emergency intervention. Psilocybin. Yeah. As a, for, uh, for, um, people who have end of life grieving.
1: Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I've honestly very, very, I've done a very small amount of, um, any kind of psychedelic stuff, just a little bit of mushrooms before. And, um, I'm very intrigued over the last few years now because, um, I didn't have any like big crazy experiences doing it. Uh, I want the one time that I did some at Burning Man. Actually, I spent alone and the I was out time in the playa. At Burning Man. One time. At Burn- <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> such a joke how much Bur- I'm, Burning Man is like uh, the thing that whatever. Uh, but I felt like I described it as I could only see truth and that it was very introspective and positive overall. And I do associate that trip, n- no pun intended, but that with like a turning point and like some decisions and realizations about my life. That I guess I never put together till now because they do say about these things that they can be like intervention level things. But that whole event led me to finally seek out psychiatry. Psychiatric it it might be things. it might
0: be a key instrument in creating that spaciousness we talked about earlier.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, what's so there big, are a lot of people um, who say
0: that they can get at that um, by just being in stillness. I would say another big movement. Uh, for me was going and sitting in silence like 10 straight days of silence no talking yeah. no reading no writing no more stuff contact. That, like must be uh, nice like in the nice. time well, you know. I mean that's not necessarily that because was that post child so rearing post child rearing right, but it was right. really um, about day three um, the author uh, Mary Roach calls it being stuck in a phone booth with a madman (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah, yeah. just like oh my god it's my amazing Uh, you know and so by day five though I felt this incredible upsurge in energy uh like from stopping the leaks of my talking and my listening and not taking things in and all of a sudden got really still and by day seven I was like wow what a world and you actually could see that none of the things you were reacting to were actually happening they were all your brain making up shit that was not happening right now and you were always in control of the response that you were having. How much of your day-to-day suffering is because you believe your thoughts? And it was so great. So I would say, you know, those are run all over the world um, where you can, if you can make the time, you can go and do them for free. The Genka Foundation offers, they're done 10,000 times a year over the world for free uh, where you go and you're in a guided sit. And you basically sit five times a day. You walk in silent meditation the rest of the time. And you're just silent. And you do nothing. And you'd be surprised at how difficult and how freeing it is simultaneously to just be by yourself and do nothing.
1: Yeah, that sounds really Vipassana, cool. Vipassana, that's called. Vipassana. Yeah, so. What's uh what's something cheesy you find inspiring? That's the next I'm question. I'm a
0: su- super nerd, so I like everything cheesy. I, like, I know. I know. I mean, I still like Pocahontas songs, you know what I mean? And Disney songs and all those things, like something cheesy. You know what was cheesy today? Uh, I went to the polls in Los Angeles and I walked into this fucking school gymnasium and there were turkey handprint posters (laughs) and there were like, we're all going to college with like big banners. This is like an elementary school, right? Go to college kids, like with banners from all these colleges attached to the wall and like the earnestness of the belief in the American dream and that there were 12 languages on the poster for the voting instructions and that people were lined up out the door and you know it was so sweet and hopeful that I had to sing America the Beautiful yeah really yeah that's very good that's very good very cheesy very inspiring
1: um what's uh what's something dark about you I guess we talked a lot throughout this
0: podcast but I have a dark side that really um I cannot understand how I can let my money support war and violence and par- be part of the state machine. And sometimes I get really dark around that stuff and, um, a little bit of I a desire to be like, uh, a pirate, you know, and try to figure out a way to, um, help as much good happen and keep as much out of the system where bad is being generated. Yeah. And that means to me violence and separation as much as possible. So, um, that's yeah. tough. Yeah, those are those yeah, are places Yeah, I think about
1: that a lot. That's back to some of our like shared generational or shared national trauma kind of things and right. also you're involved in the trauma that you create and the trauma that creates back and whatever. Right. But I think about that a lot. That was like I, th- I think about that when I was a kid and I would think like how crazy it was that people were like, they're fighting for our freedom about these people invading Iraq. And I, you'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. There's no freedom being threatened there until I like thought about it more. And it like time passed. And right. I looked at the world and grew up a little bit and I understood imperialism right. and colonialism more. And you're like, oh no, they're, they're fighting for our freedom. If the freedom is to have like AC running all the time, the way we like it and our, and our oil cheap and our clothes cheap that like Bangladeshi factories collapse so that we can have you know, $20 shirts or $10 shirts at right. H&M or whatever whatever. all these things that are like no no they do that they do that stuff so that they can steal and enslave and we can live this way like that's why they do it and uh, I think that that's well, I a think, dark thought I think that I've becomes, always
0: had that experience but like I mean that's know? why I get
1: so mad about like I get parking tickets and I would joke about like well this amount of money is going into the system and that is this percentage of a Tomahawk cruise missile which isn't true like there's different taxes that do that but you know what I mean like that feeling that you're paying into it is really hard.
0: It's a very big feeling. I was listening to a piece on like a radio show um that was talking about uh drone warfare in Iraq. Yeah. and how they were trying to do this very precise cyber war. Uh where not cyber war. Um targeted war, and they had sent basically their con their reconnaissance to decide whether to target a compound this particular compound was to fly a little drone around this compound in the middle of the day when it's 116 degrees and that in that particular culture um nobody's outside in the yeah. middle of the day and that uh they only saw one man and they didn't see any women and children and so they were confirmed in their understanding that this was an isis headquarters <sighs> But what was happening is that the wives and the children, everyone was inside sleeping, and they all came at night. And when they were out in their garden in the evening, the home was bombed, the children were killed. It was just a man who ran some vineyards and fruit orchards in that particular part of the country. And he went through a process of restoration uh, with the U.S. Army or the U.S., the forces over there, and they offered him something like $200 for $1.6 million in damage to house, equipment, farm, the loss of his wife, the loss of his daughter, the loss of his nephew, like, like, it was, and they had taped the interaction between the Army representative, the military representative, and him. It was so heartbreaking, you know, and I'm sitting there going, this is me. This is my money my labor and life energy mm. that's going to feed that system. So when I get dark, it's around that, that I'm complicit and I feel powerless to shift it. Yeah. Um, so I can even feel myself getting dark, you know, in the process of talking about it. Yeah, um, I just don't want that. Yeah. Like, violence is the ultimate form of disconnection from yourself, from nature, from other beings, and it is wrong. Yeah. You know, and I know you do a lot of stuff with fighting and learning how to control and create offense and defense and listen deeply and that it can be a very intimate thing for yeah. people who are fighters. But this sort consensual of consensual and non consensual violence is yes, very different and, things. and, and, and that you're I, I just feel like that is a complete failure of all the other higher order skills of being human diplomacy, you know, everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's my dark. Yeah, that's dark a good. Side. One.
1: What's the last gorgeous thing you saw
0: your face? That's nice. <laughs> um, oh, man, I feel that every day. I was in downtown L.A. the other day at the top of a skyscraper and at night, and the whole L.A. cityscape was laid out, sparkling and interesting, but it was under an incoming rainstorm, so you had this sensation of the wind and the coolness mm. running over your skin, and then the divider line between the two cloud layers was right at the height of the skyscrapers, and the light was all being captured right underneath it, and it looked like the whole city was a glowing orb under this cloud cover. So there was that, That's and good. I saw Mason doing some kind of booty dance, and that was so gorgeous. He's the gorgeous. funniest.
1: He's <laughs> our five-year-old, the youngest member of the family <laughs> unit. My grandson. Um, Mm -hmm. and then last, I have my Don't Kill Yourself list, uh, you know, coffee, sandwiches, lavender (laughs) soap, what's something accessible, relatively common, that's just like, hey, stay alive for that.
0: (laughs) Steam rooms.
1: Oh, steam rooms are good.
0: Eucalyptus steam rooms or saunas, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Hot springs, go out in the woods and find a hot spring, plunge yourself in hot water. Um. Yeah, just hot water. (laughs) Hot water, really good. (sighs) Um. Late night more. massage with oh. your bestie, Yeah. you know the person who anybody who loves you or you love giving or receiving that touch. Um, that's good. Oh, I have so many. You I know. know. I know. But, the possibility know. of something different happening tomorrow, probably.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's good. I love that. All right, thanks. No, oh, thanks for doing this. I'm glad I was fun. It was fun to talk. <laughs> it was fun. I'm actually I'm i just psyched about this too. As a like thing of like. Maybe for some people, I think it's, I think we have a cool way that we talk for a mom and a son.
0: Oh God. You know? I'm so, I, it's, it's like we start and there are so many different directions. Yeah. You know, we, yeah, but we, just, we I, you I don't know, think I think, yeah. I don't know
1: that every, a lot of people I know, I don't know that they know they can talk to their parents like this. I and mean, maybe parents don't know they can talk to their kids like this. They can just, that you're people and you can just talk, you know, have ideas.
0: Your grandmother used to say, you talk to that baby like he's an adult. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I tell people that all the time
1: because, like you're saying, that pre-two stuff. I think there's. I think you're shaping things. You're putting things in there right then. You know. Yeah,
0: I mean, I know you have had uh, a mixed bag on your upbringing, but I do think one of the things that was really lovely yeah. is that before your dad sort of um, had some mental health trouble, you know he carried you around and he sang to you in Japanese and he coddled you and like really loved you with his fullness and that being loved and feeling that is such... If you can mimic that feeling later in life that you're loved and accepted, you have won the mental health battle. That is my current feeling. Well,
1: I also think you, things you did about like taking us to museums and stuff and when we were young and I I feel like from a very young age, I did feel very instilled with a kind of like wonder and understanding uh, that the world was full of beautiful things and like a curiosity and desire to see as much of it and and learn as much about it as I could, you know?
0: Like yeah, just, I mean, I don't know where I got that idea, um, but my, my idea was, I wasn't really happy in my work. Like, I'd wanted to be a dancer or an artist or something like that, and I, I had this feeling with you guys that I would want you to do in your life what you loved, and that the only way to know what you loved would be to take you to do a lot of different things, (laughs) and that if I then watched you closely, that the things where you lost yourself and lost yourself in flow, I just take you back to those because they seem to be really a fit. Not try to make you do the things that society wanted you to do, but like, and in general, what ended up happening is that everybody found a gift line. Like, okay, you know what whales communicate across long... Sorry, one more thing. Yeah. Whales communicate across long distances by basically through compression lines in the water. And they operate like underwater fiber optic cables. And so a sound can travel a very long distance in the water. And I feel like when you hit that sort of that sort of wave layer that in, in your life, like when you hit the frequency where things can focus and you're in flow, you just, whoosh, you move, it moves so easily. Yeah. Everything's so so beautiful and that you hit it with writing and acting and your brother hit it ironically with music and you know which he isn't doing and Sam hit it with uh, design and and visual arts and she's thriving in that field so you know I really that was driven as a response or a reaction to my own experience of not having those gifts seen and I would just say anybody who if you don't know what you're here to do in your life then just take yourself to a lot of stuff and notice where you relax and where your spirit lights up and just keep going there until it becomes clear.
1: Yeah. Do you know the Disclosure song uh, where it goes, when a fire starts to burn, <laughs> right, it starts to spread. Yeah, anyway. I don't, but it's a good
0: song. I'm going go to Spectre, I'm gonna go yeah. listen to Regina Spector and I'm going to go listen
1: to Um And uh, lastly, people should check out Rosebud as long as I have you. Oh, Self-care. yes.
0: I have a new line of skincare for the intimate area. The It's a greater vulvar region skincare, um, all plant-based. I, it just got called by a major beauty publication, La Mer for down there, uh-huh. which I really uh-huh. like. And um, I started this, um, well, I got the idea a long time ago and I've been formulating it for a while. And then last year I got really serious about it and I got the chemist from Paracone and Jessica Alba, who are, right. which are great lines. and. And a, a lot of grace in the designer showing up and you know i i'm making basically true skin care not in the sexual or reproductive theater kind of stuff but actually true skin care for soothing and caring for that skin rebuilding t- tissue laxity bringing lubrication arousal for those times when it's needed um, and other things and it's it's a line but it's got a bigger mission of being a tool for more self-love complete transparency and acceptance of all the bits of your body and a way of spreading reverence in the world for what is feminine um, in the hopes that if it's inside of a person this reverence for the self it'll roll out into the expectations they have of the community and the expectations they have of how the world builds systems to support this feminine and um, where can they find it rosewoman.com cool so all right that's my thing thanks mom
1: Christine Mason.
0: Thanks, Jared. <laughs> I love Thanks, you. Thanks, Bear. Thanks for
1: doing Michael Bear with me. It was fun to talk to a person again. <laughs> I'll do more interviews so again. Always
0: fun to talk to you. I love you.
1: All right. Bye, everyone.
0: Bye.